Hello and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and pristine lung haver. Not to brag. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share a few of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365. Today, we're going all the way back to the pre vape era. On September 25th, 1878, a British physician named Charles R. Drysdale was the first public health person to publicly speak out about the dangers of smoking when he wrote a letter to the editor of the Times in London calling tobacco use one of the most evident of all the retrograde influences of our time. At the time, widespread tobacco use wasn't just acceptable, it was considered healthy. Which really makes you think some of the things we consider healthy today mm, will probably be canceled in the future. And although I know it will never happen, there's a part of me that just wishes drinking water wasn't as necessary as it actually is. Drysdale didn't exactly change public opinion with his letter, but he was way ahead of his time. He was also against vegetarianism, though, so he wasn't exactly a soothsayer. But how did tobacco even get so popular in the first place? Let's back up. Tobacco use actually goes back thousands of years. Historians have traced it back to around 5000 BC, where native populations in South, Central, and North America used it as medicine and in religious ceremonies. When Christopher Columbus, yep, that guy, and his ships arrived in the Americas in the 16th century, they became the first Europeans to discover tobacco. Though as a reminder, the tobacco and the indigenous peoples who used it existed far before they were quote-unquote discovered. Spanish explorers brought tobacco back to Spain, and soon France and Portugal got in on the hype. Tobacco use and smoking spread throughout Europe, with people believing it had medicinal purposes. It was used to numb and cure aches and pains like toothaches and headaches. A Swiss doctor said tobacco has a wonderful power of producing a kind of peaceful drunkenness. This was long before lung x-rays. Life expectancy wasn't particularly long in the 16th century. There were so many diseases and toxins lurking out there, no one really figured out tobacco could also literally kill you. Scientists did start to notice that tobacco made it harder for them to breathe. When the English started settling in the colonies in the early 17th century, they sent Virginia tobacco back to King James I, who didn't much care for it. He called it a custom loathsome to the eye, hateful to the nose, harmful to the brain, dangerous to the lungs, and in the black sinking fume thereof, nearest resembling the horrible Stygian smoke of the pit that is bottomless. Still, it made England money, so he continued to have it imported from Virginia. Tobacco was a big deal in the colonies. Early colonists used it as currency to trade with Native Americans. Needless to say, they probably ripped the Native Americans off. The land in what is now Maryland and Virginia was particularly good for growing tobacco, and European demand made the crop very profitable. In fact, American wealth was basically built off tobacco, at least at first. And since this is America we're talking about, most of the agricultural work of cultivating the tobacco that built this wealth was done by black slaves from Africa. Since tobacco was a southern crop and not a northern one, slaves became more essential to the economy of the south than the north. 
which made it a lot easier for abolitionism to pick up in the North than the South. The Civil War was fought over slavery, but it was the tobacco industry that helped create the split along those geographic lines. There's a lot to unpack about that, but for the purposes of today's discussion, let's skip ahead to Drysdale. Drysdale was obsessed with Thomas Malthus, an 18th century economist who believed that population growth was inevitable and would ultimately lead to society's downfall. Drysdale was also an early public health scientist, in part because of his love of Malthus. He was focused on things like helping poor people with family planning to help curb population growth. His intentions were maybe not great, but it did lay the groundwork for future birth control outreach in poorer communities. But I'm getting off topic. Drysdale wrote a letter to the Times titled, Tobacco and the Disease It Produces, in which he pretty much called widespread tobacco use a public health crisis. The alkaloids contained in tobacco, whether chewed, snuffed, or smoked, are extremely poisonous, he wrote. Drysdale said tobacco raised people's heart rates, could cause them to lose their teeth and appetites, it could cause cancer of the mouth and lips, and it could hurt pregnant women and their infants. He wasn't super off, although he didn't know about lung cancer or emphysema. No one really listened to Drysdale, and tobacco continued to be popular for many, many years. In the 1900s, the United States started selling tobacco in cigarette form, which was big and dangerous. Cigarette companies got huge and started forming what is even to this day a formidable power block. But in 1964, the U.S. Surgeon General released its first report on smoking and health, and it found that smoking was not great, to say the least. The report found that smoking cigarettes caused lung cancer in men, probably caused lung cancer in women, and led to chronic bronchitis. We know way more about the dangers of smoking now, of course, but this was a big start. Soon after the Surgeon General's report came out, the government started regulating cigarette sales and adding warnings to packets. People did start smoking less, although some people still smoke today. Even with what we know about smoking now, cigarette companies have a lot of power, but Drysdale is at least a little vindicated. And for those who vape out there, just know that even though vaping is considered a healthier alternative to cigarettes, it did take us several decades for the Surgeon General to discover the link between cigs and lung cancer, so no one really knows about vaping's long-term effects quite yet. Just something to keep in mind. And now, for our fun music fact of the day, on this date in 1975, Pink Floyd's album Wish You Were Here hit number one on the U.S. charts. Wish You Were Here was Pink Floyd's ninth studio album, and it was a Roger Waters-led concept album, one that functioned as a critique of the music industry and as sort of a critique of the band itself. Not that the album did much to knock down either. Wish You Were Here ended up selling 13 million copies. And for our final segment of the day, I will be diving into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a September 25th in my life. All right, let's see what's here. Okay, I mean, I honestly, I don't know if I did anything exciting here. Of which I should probably, I will probably run into this issue quite a handful of times just because I'm literally only 20 years old and to come up with something that is slightly exciting every single day of your life for an entire year, there's bound to be a few boring days in there. But it looks like the thing that I did on September 25th, 2019 was go and take my cat to get a haircut. His name is Boo Radley. He's named after a character from the book To Kill a Mockingbird. And the, he is a Norwegian forest cat, so he has a ton of hair and he overheats in the fall because he is a black cat. 
And so we went to get him a haircut. And that was what I did on September 25th of last year. Um, man, not very exciting. But if you are a pet owner, it, there's something very exciting about getting your cat a haircut. I think he looks adorable, although he looks a little bit, it's kind of like the photo that I have in front of me could be captioned with the who did this laugh cry, laugh cry emoji type beat. Um, yeah, not exciting, but eh, that's okay. I did do something on a September 25th in my life. And that's all for today's episode of 365 Days with MXM Tune. Thank you all so much for tuning in for this episode. I hope you learned something or found something interesting. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365 with MXM Thanks for listening to today's episode of 365 Days with MXM Tune. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along with us on social media at 365 Days MXM Tune on all platforms.